how God crafted you, where you're at, your age, your stage in life, all the unique use. When you follow those back to be a vibrant version of you, Christian version of you, full of life version of you, what are you connected with? It's good to be back with you all again. I've been out for a few weeks, and I am excited to be in the house of the Lord with you today. If you're watching online, we love you. Love that you are a part of our ministry. Come on, who's glad to be in the house of the Lord? Let me hear you. Wake up. Yeah, do this. Let the coffee settle in. <clears throat> Hopefully the caffeine is kicking in strong. Uh, I love it. It is good to be here. I'm very excited about this next year. The downside every year, so we get together. Those who have been in the church for a while know this. Uh, we get together, and what we do, or what I do, is I plan out a year in advance. So I've literally been working on sermons and series and where I want to go more than a year out. Uh, the downside of that is I get really excited about things I don't get to share with you for 11 months. But I promise I'm excited about the things I get to share with you today, too. I promise. I promise. Um, I do believe that God is doing a great thing. And I spent time over this last month, as I do every year, um, not just planning out the church um, and where we're going to go as an organization, uh, but I also spent time reading through things like prayer requests from our locations and our services. I have read through hundreds, if not thousands, of prayer requests. Man, I have wept over them. All the prayers for children that are wayward or lost, families that are broken. I cried with you. All the prayer requests that came in that are dealing with sickness, physical ailment, cancer, depression, anxiety, I wept with you. All the next steps are cards that come in and they're with like, what's next in life and where am I gonna go? And um, Lord, what do you want me to do? The displacement that we feel, man, I prayed for you and over you. Hundreds and hundreds of them read through them and I am excited. I'm excited to be able to teach the hope of God in that over this next year. Uh, we are in a series, we're going to start a series, it's actually kind of a shorter one here, uh, but I'm excited to get into it. And, and, and really my heart is this, even as a parent, so like I have kids now, my oldest is getting ready to go into college, about ready to go to IWU, and um, it's awesome as he's moving out, we're going to start fixing up the house now, and so it's like you wait till they leave until you start like getting things the way you want it. Uh, no, love him. And uh, with my kids, I've been thinking a lot about what's next. Now, I have five kids all the way down to one, and uh, the other night I woke up in the middle of the night, and I walked out on kind of where I'm upstairs, and there's like a stairwell that goes down, and so I can stand and kind of look over the living room and kitchen of the house on the top of the stairs, and I was standing there, and I was just praying over my home. And, and I got to thinking about something that I, I just, I want to convey this to you. I do often dad talks in my house where I sit down over the dinner table and I've even got a chalkboard and I write things out, ideas out. I love for my kids, I want them to be good thinkers. And, uh, and they make fun of me for my dad talks. That's okay. I can take it. It doesn't hurt too bad. Um, but as I'm sharing my heart with my kids, it dawned on me in prayer that night, I do not merely want my children to learn about Jesus. I really want them to have a relationship with him, right? Like, it's really easy for us to grow up in this modern world and believe that 
You really do get something when you understand it in your mind. But there's something so much deeper than just knowledge about. There's like intimacy with. And I was thinking about this even with you all too. Like I don't merely want you to come to church and learn new interesting things about Jesus. This wonderful historical protagonist and the story and the meta story and a little history and context in Hebrew and Greek. And it's not merely that I want to deliver new information to you. What I want you to have is an actual relationship with the living God. And you understand that it's, it's different than just knowing about. Knowing about it is not the same thing as actually having a relationship with him. And, and this begs a really important question, right? Like, what does it mean to do this? How do we actually make that happen? I want to propose an idea leading into this next series, and it's basically this. Christianity is to be participated in and not merely observed, It's to be participated in and not merely observed. Okay, so you're not actually Christian if you're just watching Christians do things. Just like I'm not actually a baseball player if all I ever do is sit in the stands and watch baseball. I can be a fan of baseball. I can like baseball. I can cheer on baseball players. But you're not really a baseball player until you hit the turf. And in the same way with Christianity, there is a call for you, from me, from the Lord, right? Like, there is a call to you to take your knowledge of God and do it, have it do something significant in your heart until it hits your hands, hits your feet, it becomes alive. Man, and Christianity gets way more exciting when you start to participate. It really does. If Christianity is boring to you, it's because all you've done is observed it and learned about it so far. I mean, when it starts to get exciting is when you do really give to help somebody until you're nervous that God's going to have to provide back. That's scary and exciting. When you actually go on the missions trips and you're sitting on the plane nervous and you don't know what it's going to be like, that's what's exciting. Will you step out and you become a volunteer in the youth department or children's department, right? And you, you have the first time you're going to share or teach a Bible study. That's way more exciting. If church is boring, it's because all you're doing is watching it from the outside. You're not playing the game yet. You're not participating yet. I want to help you step from observer to participant over the next four weeks. Okay, with this in mind, I want to paint this metaphor for you. Um, imagine a tree, right? So like if we were to go out back, we have a bunch of trees at this location. We have a bunch of trees out back. If we were to go out back and stand under the tree, you could see all of the leaves. So imagine them in your mind, all the little leaves, right? There's like thousands of little leaves. Every one of those little leaves represents a unique way in which you can participate in the kingdom. Like some of you are going to be a stay-at-home mom with one child. That's your unique leaf. Some of you are going to honor God and participate in the kingdom, and you're a car salesman. And you're like, man, i got to figure out how to bring the gospel into selling cars. Some of you, it's like a lawyer or a doctor or a school teacher or whatever it might be. There are thousands of different unique ways in which you can honor the Lord in your unique place in life. But if you follow those leaves for them to be alive and stay alive, the leaves have to stay connected, right, to the, to the twigs, like those, the smaller branches. And then the smaller branches connect to even larger branches, and then they ultimately connect with the trunk, and then, and then even the roots. 
So it is true that there are all these different unique ways in which you can do your Christian faith. But it's also true that there are some common massive trunks that should be true for all of us. That you should be and stay connected to. Do you get it? So what we want to do over the next few weeks is with the staff, we've done this over the last uh, man, year or more, we're going to bring this to you now, is we follow those unique leaves down, all the unique yous that sit in the room or are watching online, all the unique yous. How God crafted you, where you're at, your age, your stage in life, all the unique yous. When you follow those back to be a vibrant version of you, Christian version of you, full of life version of you, what are you connected with? What are those connected with? And what we've discovered is through church history and in the Bible, there are four primary trunks, right? Four primary trunks, branches that all Christians ought to ultimately be connected to. And, and these, are, these are not things to accomplish, right? These are states of being, like ways in which you live your life. And I want to give these to you this morning, then we're going to take them apart one at a time as the weeks progress. The growth track, we're calling this ultimately the growth track. And the growth track isn't merely a set of tasks to accomplish, right? But a practices, they're practices to make part of your life rhythms. So if you want to do the Christian life, right? If your primary goal is just to learn who was Jesus, you can memorize a definition online and move on with life. That doesn't mean you're actually Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, your life rhythms are going to have to change. So whatever the unique version of you is, what are the primary sources in which you are going to draw the living, glorious, hope, spirit of God? What are those common sources? We call it the growth track. They are states of living, states of living. And they're broken down kind of into four areas, or definitely in four areas. Encounter, we're calling them encounter, discover, connect, and sense. So what does it mean to encounter God, build that into your life, a regular basis, stay before the Lord, encountering God, to discover your unique age and stage. And that changes as you progress through life. Continually discovering who you are, how God's made you, and how you can honor him. And then connecting in community. What does that look like? And then knowing who it is that God has called you to be the gospel too. Those are states of living that we never leave. So this first week, right, and when you look through church history, these are all woven through church history too. These four life rhythms that you live into, week number one is today. So uh, I have staff members connected with each one of these areas. So Encounter has a staff member, right? Uh, Discover has a staff member, Connect has a staff member, and then Scent has a staff member. And so I'm going to invite Josh up, uh, who is kind of helping oversee the encounter part, that state of living. So how do you be the unique version of you? Um, you follow it back to living in a state where you're encountering God on a regular basis. You don't just learn about it, but you live in it. And so Josh is helping us form and make that. So welcome, Josh, to the stage. What's up? All right, man. So let's try to unpack this. Now, the good news is this isn't just a one-week thing, right. but it's something we will keep before the people regularly. So if you leave today and you're like, I half get it, that's all okay. That's all okay. We're going to keep working on these things over the months to come. But let's jump into this really quick. So five quick questions to help us begin this idea of what it means to encounter. So 
really quick, in a nutshell, what is encounter? When we say encounter, we're trying to one word define something that's actually kind of complex. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, basically we're talking about coming to church, like being a part of a local body of believers where we worship together and encounter God together. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And uh, what we find all the way through the Bible, you know, do not forsake the gathering of believers, yep. but there's something unique that happens when believers yep. come together and worship. Yep. And we, we do obviously encounter God individually. We do that at home, but there is something different that we can't get unless we come into a body and worship together. There's something unique that happens in a way God's spirit actually interacts with us. That's right. And what people often do is they, they will, they'll push against being committed to corporate worship, literally, by saying, well, God can meet with me individually. Right. Yes, he can. Yeah. But also from the very beginning of the church, yeah. there is something unique about the corporate gathering of public worship. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, we could go way into that, but God himself is not one. Yep. God himself is three. Trinity. And so there's something God has knit into how he made people that the gathering and his spirit working in us, it's, it is central to who we are and to what he's asked us to do. That's absolutely right. Okay, so yeah. first question, and I mean, as simple as possible, what is encounter? Encounter is the public gathering yeah. of believers. It's church. Yeah. Yep. Okay, second question, what does our culture think about church? Like, what Man. are we trying to push against yeah. or so clarify? I think many of us have probably seen this, like secular culture sees church as probably unnecessary. And there have been times where it's like, church is good, you know, but I think we're reaching a point probably in America where on a large scale, we're like, ah, I don't know if it's necessary. Even within Christian culture though, which maybe some of the South would represent, um, church is often seen as like an encouraging place, a social gathering, maybe self-help, like we're gonna become better if we go there. Yeah, right. So. It's not that all those things are wrong, but they might be missing a core right. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's important. And we're going to talk a whole lot about that. I For mean, sure. Man, even in the months to come. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what does culture think about church? Primarily culture thinks it's a place to be encouraged. That's where right. you go if you're down and discouraged. Right. Yeah. But it, if you feel great, you go to the lake. It makes me think of... Uh, yeah, <laughs> A lot of you maybe went to Christian schools. It's like the whole, like, uh, if a kid is really troubled, they need to go to a Christian school, yeah. you know, or like, I've heard that about Catholic school before, is if a kid gets in trouble, they need to go to Catholic school and kind of learn. It's, it's the adult version of that. If, it, like, you have bad behaviors, you know, you, you need to go to church. Yeah, so the culture basically sees church as a place to go from, don't miss this, you might see church this way. The culture basically sees church as baseline, I'm doing bad, I need to get back to baseline. Right. But church through history is actually something so much more beautiful that you're being called into. Yeah. Sometimes we see prayer that way. Yeah. If we come forward for, for prayer or something, it's like, uh-oh, that person, they must have something really yeah. wrong with them. But yeah, the culture sometimes views church that way. Our, yeah. man, ultimately, the gathering of believers is to show you something better than baseline. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, third question uh, that I would ask is, what does an encounter, so we talk about encountering God mm. in community, what does an encounter with God's love look like? Man, when you say that, I instantly think of just some amazing stories in the Bible, like Moses and the burning bush. Yeah. Just like encounter with God that changes his life. Think of, you know, Paul getting knocked off his, you know, horse, donkey, whatever. 
and just changes his life, sees something new, finds something new. The one that maybe describes it super well is Isaiah, Isaiah 6. He saw the Lord seated on the throne. He has this encounter with God and he recognizes new things that he never saw before. He recognized, I'm unclean. Like, woe is me. Luther says, I'm annihilated. Yeah. I'm done. You know, because God is holy and I'm not. And then he sees the people around me are not holy either. And then he says, Who's gonna, what's going to happen? I, I have to go. Yeah. So like an encounter with God, it, it is a self-recognition. It's an encounter with reality, the way things really are in us, around us. And then an invitation, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. So an encounter with God, I mean, to, it is seeing truth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so like when you, I mean, ultimately that's all through history, whether you're reading the prophets of old, right. whether it is Paul or Saul yeah. to Paul. Yeah. It is always a scene of what's true. Yeah. So when you go out in the world and you turn on the news, mm. you are watching a very shaded version of truth or things that are outright lies and you're bombarded with it. Oh yeah. You come to a place where you're reminded of what is true. Yeah. But it's not just true for you. You are also celebrating other people seeing truth too. So why do we gather together? When you come to this place and we talk about the hope of heaven or we sing about God, mm. it is reminding you of what is true. Yeah. Having that rhythm in your life where you're constantly reminded of what is, yeah. is true. I've heard it said before that God created humans with a resonating chamber in us. And when we see true reality, that resonates in us. Yeah. And we get glimpses of that in so many places in nature and, you know, reading great art, we get glimpses. But when God's people come together, the Holy Spirit resonates in that reality chamber. And we recognize at a very soul deep level what is real, what yeah. matters, what's yeah. true, who we are, who the world is, what we're made for. That's right. There's nothing wrong with it being an emotional experience. Right. There's also nothing wrong with it not yeah. being an emotional yeah, experience. Yeah, all kinds of varying human responses to God's presence. But when God is present, somehow he's depositing something in us and we respond in lots of different ways. That's right. Sometimes it's you having a truth revelation. Sometimes it's you helping participate in somebody else having a truth revelation. Right. But we corporately gather together to see truth. Now, the really interesting thing about this is remembering, theologically remembering the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. The greatest truth of the universe is community. Yeah. Perfect love. So it's not only truth as an objective thing to know. This is really intellectual, so I don't want to lose you here. Yeah. It's not only truth as an objective thing to know. It is truth as understanding what right relationships are like. That's yeah. why community is necessary. Yeah. Do you see it? And you said it really well earlier too. I think sometimes when we talk about this stuff, we see it as concepts. So like, you know, truth as a concept or as learning or as understanding. But in the end, truth is a person. Yeah. Like it, it is Jesus. He says, I am the truth. So as we get to know him relationally yeah. as a person, we are coming to know reality. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because reality is community for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's massive. That's absolutely massive. I mean, I'm going to talk about more of this in a couple of weeks, but it does fit here really well. I'll go into way more depth in a few weeks. 
before the fall, God took man, literally the Hebrew is he cut him in half. So before sin even entered the world, he took humanity and he made him part of a whole. Mm -hmm. So you are designed by God to not understand truest truth without another. Mm. There is no such thing as Christianity alone. Yeah. You can understand truths about Christianity and God could still work if you're alone. Yeah. It's not that he can't move yeah. with a person, you know, in solitary confinement in China. Yeah. God can absolutely meet with him there, but the another yeah. is Jesus. Right. And we are made for community. Okay, so what does kind of God's love look like? Why should I prioritize church? I know we've already stumbled across yeah. some of this, but real quick. Yeah, uh, the best way I could think of it, there's a story of these two young fishes and they're swimming. I don't know if it's fish or fishes. So I'm going to say fishes. Fish. They're swimming along Plural. and an older fish comes along and says, the water's great today. And one of the younger fish looks over at the other and says, what the heck is water? It's just yeah. the reality that when you're swimming in it, you can very easily lose track even of what is around you. And I think that's so true for our culture and the world. And you've been talking about that already. But we don't even recognize how we are being so conditioned and formed and changed by the environments we are in. And when we come to church, there is a renewal that's happening. There is a confrontation with reality who is a person yeah. and a reformation going on inside of us, healing and, and uh, God is doing something that is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. It's like there is, when you prioritize it, there is a joy that sometimes is for you from another. Yes. Sometimes it's from you for another. Yes. Yeah. And, um, there is catechism, right? Like right. a learning and growing of yes. truth and knowledge and Absolutely. what that means and how you apply yep. it as you make it regular rhythm. Right. There is community um, yep. that you get to experience and grow in. I mean, that's absolutely right. And yeah. church ultimately is, uh, I mean, it is a looking back and a looking forward. Yeah, you know, for sure. Remembering our destination yeah. and remembering where we come from. Yeah. It's all about truth, seeing yep. truth. That's Worship good. study, we call it memory and hope. That's right. When we look back, we are rooted and grow in our confidence and identity and who we are as God's people. When we look forward, we gain a sense of purpose that God made us for a specific time, a specific mission for for now. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so the question then is, and I know this is a brief introduction on a Sunday morning, but how should we prepare for church? Mm, yeah, I think of, um, we, we each bring something to the gathering. And I definitely think of that. I know you, you do too on Sunday mornings. It's like, I want to bring something. And I know that's not just true for staff members, is that it's, it's true for you all. You, you bring faith you bring encouragement, you bring an attentiveness to the spirit of God that affects the people beside you. Yeah. And I think that is worth preparing for, worth pre waking up on a Sunday morning and saying, God, make me aware of your spirit so that my awareness could influence the person beside me who needs to know that you are real. Yeah. So, oh yeah. 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 That's good. I, I do. I, I love that. And what I want to do, man, is I just want to, I want to thank you for steering a lot of the encounter side of this. And this is going to affect our people a whole lot more, even in uh, the months and years to come. Uh, but at the end of the day, what we're asking people to do is come and be present. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's really the sum yep. of it. Man, Josh, thank you so much for coming up. <clears throat> you can thank him. That's all right. That's all right.
Um, couple of thoughts, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go here today. In the next few weeks, are just setting the stage for the fall. Uh, I'm excited about this. I had a couple of, uh, this would have been, man, maybe a year and a half ago or so. Uh, I had a morning where I woke up, and um, if I'm just being ultra honest, I didn't want to be here. Not that I don't love you. I, I do. Sometimes I love you as a feeling. Sometimes I love you as a commitment. And I woke up, and, and a lot of it was, you know, I mean, the truth is so much of us, our good days or bad days heavily hinge on uh, how well we slept or other little things that are going on in life, right? So if I have a kid get me up and then another kid get me up and I just wake up and I think, why do I have so many kids? And uh, <clears throat> somebody's got to explain that to me one day. And, uh, you know, so I show up at church, I'm tired. And um, I'm standing over there on the side. And, 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 I, and I think, okay, Lord, here I am. And I start engaging by choice, not by feeling. So I start engaging by choice, not by feeling. So I'm here. I don't just have my own feelings. I have all the church history. I have the instructions of Paul. I have the words of Jesus. I know the importance of gathering together. I'm going to do this. And so I'm worshiping. I'm worshiping, right? So I'm, I'm worshiping. I've got my hand in the air. And I'm like, Lord, and now you may think I'm singing the songs, but I was actually praying, God, just help my heart to be in this today. And while I was doing that, my 13-year-old daughter, I asked for her permission uh, to share this. My 13-year-old daughter, while I was doing that, she leans over, she slides her arm. So I'm standing like this. She slides her arm through my arm, my 13-year-old daughter. And I, so I'm worshiping. I look down, her little arm comes through mine. And my little girl leans her head on my shoulder. And I look down at her and she smiles at me. She doesn't know where my heart's at. She just sees me worshiping. And I look down at her. And she just leans in tighter and I hear her singing. I hear her singing. And I look at her. And then because of my angle, I look over and I saw my boys, my teenage boys, and they're worshiping. And what came to my mind is this. Sometimes I come to church for me. And sometimes I come to church for you and for them. Whether it's a day where I emotionally see church in a, or truth in a big way or whether it's a day where I just see other people seeing truth in a big way. I'm not a consumer and this is not a product. Americans, you are not consumers. This is not a product in the same way. I mean, there is some truth we do. We are consuming the truths of God. That's true. But at a very fundamental level, this is not a product. This is a family that you participate in. My kids, my wife needs me to be faithful to her, whether I feel like it or not. 
What if I was only faithful to her when I felt like it? How would that make my family and home healthy? What if I was only present with my kids when I felt like it? What if I only took care of them when I felt like it? What if I only provided for them when I felt like it? Man, to make it beautiful, it's got to be more than a consumer-driven, feeling-driven thing. Feelings aren't bad. Feelings are awesome, but that's not the primary compass. The primary compass is family, and the family gets stronger. In fact, the word agape in Greek, agape or agapeo, depending on the variant that you're looking at, right? It is way more like a promise and a commitment than a feeling like, ooh, I like that. There's a text I want to share with you, and we're going to be done here pretty quick. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I love that text, right? Like, now remember, we always read text in context. We always read text in context. We always read text in context. We are called to stir one another up to love and good works. Where is the first place this is practiced? Comma, literally the thought is continued in the original language. The first place you practice this, by not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Where is the first place that you practice community and you practice encouraging one another and you practice spurring up love and good works? In the text, the first place is right here. Amen. Mamas and dadas, when you enter in this room and you worship and your little babies watch you do it, grandmas and grandpas, biological or spiritual. Community is so important. A couple of things I want to leave with you. The first couple of thoughts. The first one is this. It's a modern false narrative that you can only participate in things when you like it. Praise God. My wife participates in our marriage even when she's mad at me. It's a modern false narrative that you can only participate in things when you feel like it. Dallas Willard, uh, for those that like him, he says this. Dallas Willard says that we cannot make ourselves produce the fruit of the Spirit. Because here's the truth. There are going to be days you don't feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There are days you don't feel it. There are days you're going to become here and you don't feel it. You can't make yourself produce these. A tree can't make itself produce fruit. All we can do is plant ourselves well. That's all we can do. So if you want the fruit of your spirit, before the fruit is even produced, you plant yourself right so that you can produce the fruit. Fruit doesn't precede the planting. It follows it. You don't come to church because you're full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You oftentimes need to come because you need to plant well and ultimately produce it. The fruit doesn't precede the planting, it follows it. Dr. Del Tackett, years ago I heard this, uh, when he said it, man, it really rung well in my heart and mind. Del Tackett says it like this, sometimes we come before God wanting him. Those are good days. Sometimes we come before God wanting to want him. Hang on for a moment. I wonder 
especially reading the, the larger narrative of scripture, I wonder sometimes if it is an even sweeter offering to the king when you stay committed on the days when it's not easy. The wanting to want it may at times be even a sweeter offering. Um, some scholars call it the deeper loves. I'm going to follow the deep, the deeper commitment. The deeper love is I'm in. Feelings are going to come and go. The deeper one is I'm in. So there I am. I'm standing in the front and I got my baby, my babies. I love being a daddy. And I got my older boys and my little girls and then the tiny little ones. And my 13-year-old daughter, she's growing up too fast. Man, now, I don't know, for those that are parents and you have a lot, you have a number of kids and you look at the last one in the line, now all of a sudden I think, first one is like, grow up, grow up. The last one is like, I told her last night, my, uh, my six-year-old, second to last, she came in, brought me a, a drink of water with a lemon squeezed in it kind of a thing. And I looked at her and I thought, baby, baby, don't, don't grow up too fast. So my 13-year-old girl's there. She's got her arm through mine. They're going to grow up. I can't help it. My heart's not in a good place. But I'm staying the course. And I look over, and that little girl looks up at me. Those big puppy dog eyes. Leans her head on my shoulder. Boy, you want to make a daddy's heart soft. And I think sometimes I come here for me. Sometimes I come here for you. But baby, more than anything else is going on in my head. I didn't share it with her. We're worshiping. What's going on in my head is like, I pray your heart touches Jesus. And this is more than information but it is transformation of your soul. Sometimes I come here for you. My friends, we need to make church not a product, but a family again. And you are the ones that make that a reality, not me. It's all of us stepping up locking arms and committing together to be the family of God. So here's the question I have from today. Basically, it's this. Are you willing? Now, I know for those watching online or newer, I mean, but there's some this is going to speak to. Are you willing to commit to help make our worship service a place where we encounter God? Step one, be present. Consistently be present. Are you willing to help make our worship service a place where we meet God. Here's what we're going to do. Um, this is a little different for our closeout um, or for our response. Uh, we, the stage is stripped. Thank you for being patient during the remodel. Um, we're trying to get it all finished during the summer, kick in really big in the fall. So um, I know the fall's kind of already here. Um, when we pulled the carpet up, when they pulled the carpet up, there were all these prayers written on the stage. 
How many were here when they wrote prayers on the stage the first round? We have anybody in this room? Don. So years ago, years ago when they did a remodel here, they had people in the congregation before they laid the carpet down, they had people in the congregation come up and just write a prayer. I want to invite you to do that today. Uh, so kind of two primary things to think about. One, um, pray for this place, that it would be the family of God. I mean, literally pray that over this place. Grab marker. There's markers up there. Don't fall, hurt yourself. For the love of Pete, the last thing we need is somebody with a broken leg up there. One of our doctor, you might have to help somebody today. I don't know. So be careful going up there. Listen, if you need help getting up and down stairs, don't be brave. Stick out an arm. Let somebody help you up and down. But write out a prayer on the stage. Pray for this place. Pray that it would be a family. Pray that it would be different. Now, for those that in your heart, I mean, like this is home, maybe even write out a commitment. If you're brand new and you're just checking this out, and you're, then fine, write out a prayer that this would be a place where God is present. But if you know in your heart, this is supposed to be more than just praying for these people. If you know in your heart, I am these people, then maybe you write out even a commitment. I'm going to pray for you. And then Josh and I got to go preach at another location. We're going to bounce around here this morning. So let me pray for you. And when I'm done praying, you can come forward, grab a marker and just start writing on the stage and we'll have some worship. You'll be behind the worship team. Awesome. I love it. Lord, in your name, we just lay all this before you. We want to be a family that honors you. In your name, we ask that you would do what only you can do, that you would move us from a mere consumer mentality in this place to a place where family is being formed. We are imperfect, but you are perfect. This is a place where we practice our eternal kingdom. This is where we practice, God, the culture of our eternal home. We don't always get it right. We sometimes mess it up, but this is it. We spur one another on to love and good deeds, and this is the first place you call us to do it. In your wonderful name, Lord, amen. Thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.